Good morning, everyone. Exciting day to be in God's house. Early birds get the worm, has always been stated. Uh, somewhat true. Uh, I guess it's good if you're the bird in that equation, right? Be bad to be the worm. The worm must have been up early too for him to get ate by the bird. But uh, either way. Um, this is the last week of our fruitful series, uh, fruitful summer series, and where we're looking at God's word to aid us and guide us into a fruitful summer. Uh, I think last week was the first official first day of summer, but because of the way school works and everything else uh, goes through the summer, it seems like summer's already halfway over to me, and here's just begun. But maybe God was allowing us time to prepare uh, for the future in this summer that is just now upon us. Uh, Proverbs 30, verse 25 is our verse that we've used throughout this series so far, uh, eight different messages we've shared. Uh, Proverbs 30, verse 25 says, the ants are not a strong people, but they store up food in the summer. And we've took uh, Galatians chapter five, where that it talks, the scripture talks uh, about from the apostle Paul about the fruit of the spirit that God supplies to us uh, all the things, the gentleness, peace, uh, grace, all the items that we've talked about and discussed all the way throughout, uh, patience, temperance, self-control. We've learned about a lot of things throughout the weeks. Uh, hopefully some of them have applied to some things we're facing. But today uh, is the last one that we're going to talk about and the topic for today, the fruit for today is joy, joy. In Nehemiah chapter 10, I think it is, the Nehemiah is uh, there. He's the cupbearer for the king over in a foreign land. They're living in exile, so he is actually a prisoner of war. Uh, and Ezra is another scribe, a person that writes down scripture that God gives them. It's one of the Old Testament books, Ezra, that we can look at. And Nehemiah and Ezra are there. Uh, they're both prisoners of war, and God gives them the dream and the vision to go back to Jerusalem, their hometown, and to rebuild the wall. Uh, we've done a series on that, wasn't too long ago, uh, when we uh, first bought uh, the Kentucky Heights campus and looking at our church to become a multi-site church. And we went through a whole sermon series on the book of Nehemiah and about building that wall. And they rebuilt the temple, the second temple. Ezra uh, speaks to that, that as the second temple is being built and what God is doing in the nation of Israel. And God always wants to restore the things that are taken from you. So in this place today, if there's ever been anything that the enemy has stole from you or taken from your life, I want to tell you today that God wants to restore those things. Amen? God is the restorer of all things. So as we think about the joy of the Lord, you need to think in this terms today that as Nehemiah and Ezra go back to their hometown after being prisoners of war, that the joy they would have felt in that being there in their hometown, that there's a joy that comes when things are restored. I don't know what's been taken from every individual in this room today, but I know that the enemy is out to kill, to steal, and destroy. 
Amen. That's what his sole purpose is. That's John chapter 10, verse 10. It says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. He wants to take you out. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy. He wants to take away from your life. But God wants to restore. So whatever it is that you're looking at, that it seems like you're living in lack, it seems like that you've not had enough in, in recent times past because the enemy's taken from you, just believe today that your joy is going to be restored in this place. That today's service is all about every individual that comes to Bethesda today. I believe it even extends to those that maybe are not here today. Amen? Those that maybe are at home, Sister Joanne didn't feel like getting up and coming to church today. I heard you say that while ago, Rose, and Sister Joanne is always faithful to come. But how many wants Sister Joanne's joy to be full as well? Amen? Even though she's not here with us in body, Paul the Apostle said, I'm not there with you in body, but I'm there with you in spirit. And I believe that the spirit can move and knows no bounds on this earth, and it can extend even to Sister Joanne's house over on Fly Branch. So as Nehemiah, they're speaking here, and Ezra, the scribe gets up and begins to read things out of the Bible. And these are words that as they were prisoners of war over in Babylon, they didn't get to hear these words very often. So sometimes there is places in our life or periods of our life that we don't get to hear the word of God as much as we should. Amen? There are seasons of our life where it is not spoken into our hearts as much as we should. One of those times, I believe, is summer. Amen? You can look at the crowd at Bethesda through the wintertime versus the summertime. You can look at our attendance record and watch the flow, the ebb and flow that do, normally during the summer there's people on vacations. How we say amen, that's a good thing. Vacations are a good thing. It's good to get a break away, a time, a season away. But as you're away, how many attend church when you go on vacation? Usually not very many. <laughs> Am I getting on you? No, that's okay. It's okay to have a break. Usually, the last of myself, when we go on vacation, we try to attend another church just because we want to see how other churches do church so that we can come back maybe with a fresh vision, with a fresh idea that God shows us while we're on vacation. Oftentimes, we'll go to church somewhere. and We've been in mega churches and we've been in little churches. Wasn't too long ago I got to go to one of the founding churches in the Assemblies of God, that stone church up in Chicago when I was on a business trip. It's always uh, fun for me to go and attend another church. But there are seasons where the word of God seems like we don't hear as much as we should. There are seasons in our life when that happens. But as Ezra began to read the word of God and speak to the children of Israel now that they're back in the hometown of Jerusalem, as he's speaking to them, they began to get sad. They were burdened down. They were thinking, man, it's been too long since I missed this. And they began to, to contemplate all the things that they'd missed. And they began to look backwards and think, well, I was a prisoner of war and I've been without. And there's been all this lack. And they're always looking back at the things that they've already been through. And But as the word of God speaks to us, we shouldn't look at it as in our times past, but in our present and in our future. 
Amen? Don't let the word of God cause you to think today that we're talking about restoring things, that it, it takes you on this mind trip where that you're always going back and looking what the enemy stole from you. Don't worry about what he stole from you. Just say, God's going to fulfill it today. God's going to restore it today. And my future is going to be brighter than my past. Amen? If we would look at life not contemplating what we've already been through, but what we're getting ready to go through, it would be a better life. Amen? Too often the church is always looking back when we ought to be looking forward. So Nehemiah and Ezra both speak to the people, and this is the verse, it's in Nehemiah chapter 10, that says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. How many need some strength? Amen? I need some strength outside of myself. I haven't worked out enough to do sit-ups. I was laying in bed last night when we went to sleep and, you know, go in there and lay down in the bed, and I thought, man, I need to get up and do some sit-ups. I ain't done sit-ups in 15 years. I don't know why I laid down in the bed thinking I need to do some sit-ups, but apparently something was telling me I should have done some sit-ups. I didn't. Anybody get, did anybody at 11.30 last night, was you just sitting there thinking, man, I can't wait to do some sit-ups? I don't know why. Maybe it's because I was going to wear my new blue shirt that my mom bought me. And maybe I didn't want my belly to stick out as much. Maybe it was because Brindley walked up to me yesterday at the water fight. And, you know, everybody got me soaked. And I was soaking wet. And my shirt was sticking to me. And Brindley walks up and she said, what are you going to name your baby? <laughs> That's my little niece that don't know any better. <laughs> what are you going to name your baby? Is it a boy or is it a girl? She's a goober. <laughs> so I began to contemplate about that, but I didn't do any sit-ups. I didn't do any push-ups. I just went to sleep. So as I talk about that, the strength that I'm talking about is not bodily. I'm not talking about physical strength. I'm talking about spiritual strength. Because scripture is very apparent to us, if we read the Bible, we'll know that there is a body, a soul, and a spirit. We are three parts in our being. And we can be strong in body. I know some people that work out all the time and they're ripped up and they're ready and they're, they're pretty tough as far as the body. But their spirit man is probably really weak. I've seen some that their soul was so messed up that their mind, their wills, and their emotion, even though they may be strong in body, maybe their soul was a wreck. So when I'm talking about restoring today, I'm not talking about us all going back to Ryan's age at 22 years old, and I weighed about the same thing Ryan weighs when I was your age. So you got, you, I'm just a picture of your future, Ryan. I want to I want to make sure that you understand today. This this is probably what you're going to look like in just a few years. I remember me and Eric one time. We was about your age. Eric's a little bit older than me, but we was working and and working at Mark West. I think this was in '99 or 2000, somewhere thereabout, and. And I, I was slim and trim and, and, and underweight, and that time Eric was a little bit overweight. So uh, I, I went and we went to the GNC store up at the Ashland Mall, and we, we got us a pager, and, and we got all these things, you know, to be really cool and all this. And, and, and I bought some stuff, some weight gainer. 
It, it's like some substance, substance. I, I, I would have to mix it in my drink, and it caused me to want to gain weight, you know, because I needed to gain weight. I thought, I'm too little. So I bought this stuff, and all it did was cause me to want to drink water. So I, all day long at work, I was just drinking water, and I felt like a big slush uh, water balloon walking around. And then Eric was taking this stuff, something called burn or something, I don't know, and he, he was running wide open. So here I am walking around like a big water balloon and him running wide open because he's drinking some kind of burn stuff. In our physical body, we was worried about it because at that time, you know, we were single and, and worried about our, our outward appearance because we were both trying to find a woman, right? So we was worried about our outward appearance. Then after I find Leslie and she chases me down and all that, and then I, I just gain weight automatically. I don't know. Maybe I ate too many. I let myself go after that. But my outward man, my, my outward person that I worry about, and I was watching a show yesterday about diets and how they fail and how many people gain weight after uh, usually they say that uh, most men go on five diets within their lifetime. Most women go on at least seven diets in their lifetime, and usually they end up gaining all their weight back plus some. The, by the time the diet's over, the diets don't work. If we put all of our attention on our outward man, on our, our who we are as an individual, if we try to base who we are on what we look like, we're never going to be content. So I want to tell you today, if you're worried about strength, if the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength, you can be happy and look like you're going to have a baby. Amen? That if my spirit man is strong, it doesn't matter if my little niece thinks I'm going to have a baby and I'm a guy. It's a bad thing, but it's okay. So I'm going to let that go. But if the joy of the Lord is my strength, it's going to get me through those times no matter what is going on. Amen? Nehemiah and Ezra's telling their people, don't worry about what you have already been through. I'm telling you today that we're speaking this word of God to you so that you can know that restoration is coming. We're building the temple back. We're building the walls back. And as we do so, God is going to come in our midst and we're going to be happy. Why? We're going to have the joy of the Lord. Why? Because we need it and God wants us to have it. That's what I want to tell you in this place today. And in speaking that, I want to say this to you. Albie, won't you give these to everybody here? Albie did an awesome job yesterday with the children's church stuff. Um, let's give her a big hand because of all the work she put in. Uh, staying up dreaming and she talked to people and mom set up a big thing in here for the kids yesterday had all kinds of snacks uh, Lathan built the platform down there Brandon built stuff Ryan was running around making sure everybody uh, had plenty of water on their head so there's a lot of people worked a lot within the last few weeks to make the children's church event a great event it was well attended a lot of people from Bethesda here. We did have visitors with us yesterday too. So these pamphlets are something that as we went through Healthy Church uh, as a group back in 2012 leading into 2013, these are the pamphlets that we designed back then. They've been revised two or three times since then. 
because at the beginning, in 2012, we only had one location that was here uh, at the Vanceburg campus. And since then, we've got two campuses, so we had to add that. We've took stuff away. We've added two, and God has allowed us to continue. But our vision that we wrote down, so you'll open that up to the front page, it talks about our vision. Our vision. Why do we exist? Why is Bethesda here? Our reason for being is to simply do this, to love God and love people. I know that sounds simple, but yet it's profound. It sounds easy, yet it requires effort. It costs nothing, yet costs you everything. That's our vision is Bethesda. I want to re-speak these words into you today as a church so that we, as we were repeating these words, I, I, I've thought about often that we don't speak of these things enough as Bethesda, and we've been a while, and it's been a void period, that Dusty will tell me, you know, it's been a while since you've talked about Reja Vu, and this is our yearly word for this year is Reja Vu. So I'm speaking the word to you today the way Ezra and Nehemiah spoke the word to their congregation. I want to revisit these issues, these things that Bethesda is. That's our vision. Our mission. What is our mission? What's our goal? Our mission is twofold. It's to fulfill God's great commission, which tells us to go into all the world, preach, baptize, and disciple. It's to fulfill God's great commandment that simply says, love Lord your God with all your being and to love your neighbor. That's our mission. We have missionaries that go all throughout the world because that's what scripture tells us to do here, but also our world is the world we live in. So I want us to be missionaries and to look at ourselves as missionaries, as Bethesda, people of Bethesda. Your job, your mission is to be a missionary to your community, to be a missionary to the people you come in contact with on a weekly basis. I'm so glad and so thankful that our people... As Bethesda, whenever I came here, the only person that baptized people was the preachers. Now we have different individuals baptizing people that they've brought into the congregation. I'm so grateful that it fulfills scripture because Paul the Apostle said, not only did I baptize, right? He said other people baptized too. And I'm glad that happens at Bethesda. It changes us to be who the Word of God tells us to be. So it's not just my work job to fulfill this great commission. It's the, it's the great commission for everybody in this room. Go to all the world, preach. What does that mean? Everybody here can preach. Preach on your job site. Preach in the grocery store. Preach at the post office. Preach at the gas station. Preach wherever you're at. Baptize, we know what that is, to baptize people in water. What's it mean to disciple? To disciple people. Jesus had disciples. If you want to say I'm a Christ, if you say I'm a Christian, that means you're Christ-like. I want to be like Jesus. If Jesus had disciples, if you want to be like Jesus, you got to be like him. So you better have some disciples. Amen? I can't say I'm a Christian and not have disciples. If you don't have anybody that you're talking to about the Bible or speaking to or training up in Christianism, you better find somebody. 
Jesus don't you want you to be a lone duck that's only worried about your own soul salvation. He wants you to worry about the world. He wants you to worry about your neighbor. He wants you to worry about everybody about you. Why? Because it's your job and your responsibility. Because if they die and go to hell and you didn't tell them, it's your fault. Amen? Amen? Serious business to disciple people. So whenever I say that, if Howie's the one that baptizes Ryan, guess whose job it is to disciple Ryan? It's Pastor Ben's? Uh uh-uh. uh. That's Howie's disciple. So, Ryan, you're supposed to be going out to Howie's and asking Howie questions about the Bible. Amen? Uh oh. That's scary, right? So, Kirby, if one of your little friends comes to the youth group and next thing you know, maybe you preach to them a little bit, maybe they get baptized, it's not Dustin Albee's job to disciple them, it's your job. So you should invite them over to your house, come stay all night with me, and talk about the Bible a little bit. You can do makeup too, that's okay, right? We had a makeup group a while back. That's what connection groups are for, discipleship. We should all desire and seek to make disciples. As Bethesda, I think this is one of the things we really need. So our five core values that we got listed in the center of the page, be missions-minded. Are you missions-minded? When I say that, what I'm saying is, are you keeping track of any missionary of Bethesda? Who are they? Who's our missionaries? Who's our missions director? What do we do with missions? Do we have an annual missions convention? Who's been thinking about or working towards that of thinking, man, let's make this year's missions convention better than last year's? I'm speaking today, and I know it's making us sad because I don't do enough either. I want Bethesda to be the best place God has called us to be. Amen? I want it to be a place of encouragement, a place where people can be strengthened as they come. Being missions-minded will do that. If you get people's focus off of their self, I'm telling you, their joy will always be full. The less we think about ourselves, the more joy we have in our life. The more selfish I become, the less joy I have. Amen? The more stuff I try to store up for myself, the worse off I become. Actually, we're starting a series next week, next Sunday. We're going to a five-part missions or a five-part sermon series on reducing. Simple title, Reduce. It's going to be about reducing stress or reducing all kinds of things in your life that God is going to equip us as a church to learn how to reduce some things. I'm ready to give some stuff away. Amen? Being community-oriented, what does that mean? That's doing things like uh, Leslie's been doing to go to the, uh, down to help the people uh, distribute food down in Toesboro. It's things like the back-to-school thing that we do every year to for people to be involved in that. And wherever we go, we can't be all Debbie Downer when we're standing there at the table giving away pencils and erasers and, and a cookie or something to these kids that's come through the line. And usually that's a place where the, about 500 kids come through that line every year. 
And think about that. We as Bethesda are using that as an opportunity to say, if 500 people is going to come through a line, I want to be standing there being a person that represents Jesus to people that maybe never hear or see or talk about Jesus. It's an opportunity that God has given us in this community. We need to be involved in that. And usually we're the only church that goes there. We're the only church that has a table at that event. I hope and pray that other churches do. But we're, normally Bethesda is the only church there with a banner, with a table that's giving stuff away for free to kids getting ready to go back to school. Why? Because we're community oriented. That's a good thing. Amen? The first year when we did that, we gave them a check for $1,000. From this church, a little bitty church with not very many people, there's, there's a church downtown that's got triple or quadruple the amount of people Bethesda does, and what, what amount of check do they give? It's where the lawyers and the doctors and the upper elites of society, it's where they go to church. But what do they give to the back-to-school thing? Here we are, little ragtag scrub bunch that we are, and we give them a check of $1,000, and the woman that was over the event at that time when we handed that check, she looked and she's like, how do you do that? It's because God wants us to. It's because it's our mission to be a community-oriented church. Amen? I'm thankful that God has equipped us with enough money to do that. Hope and pray this year that we're able to do that again. But if it's $500, it's $500. If it's $250, it's $250. Whatever it is, it is. It'll be okay. But I want us to do something. Be guest friendly. If somebody new comes into the congregation, if somebody comes to visit Bethesda, what should we be? What kind of church should we be? We should be a guest friendly church. If you only talk to the people that normally attend here, you're probably missing an opportunity when somebody new comes in that if you haven't spoke to them or you don't know their name yet or you're looking and saying, who is that? You might ought to be going over and saying, hi, how are you? The three little girls that come in here and been coming for two or three months now come and said they're the first ones here. They, they're usually the first ones here at church service. And as I come out and you know, I try to talk to them, I try to converse with them, I try to have something in common with them. But as people come into the church, I want us to love on those kids because they don't have as much as us. We should go and talk to them. Amen? We should go and encourage them and thank them for coming and encourage them. The one little girl said she stayed up all night last night and didn't even go to bed because her friend stayed all night. But here she's sitting in church service this morning. How many knows that we should encourage that? We should speak to those kids that are in that environment that their mom and dad won't even come with them, but here they are sitting, no matter what. To be guest friendly is to be somebody that speaks to them. Being discipleship motivated. I'm, I'm motivated to be a disciple and to make disciples. Free to worship. What does that mean? That if you come in here, there's different types of people. For one, Ernie is super loud. I don't know if you recognize that or not, but Ernie is super loud. And it's not just in church service that he's loud. It's in all of his life that he's loud. If you don't believe me, go watch him watch UK basketball and sit on the couch with him and see what he does. He will scream to the top of his lungs. I thought the window, first time I was there and watching him watch a basketball game, I thought the windows were going to bust out of the house. He was so loud. So it's not just church. Don't look at him and think, well, man, Ernie just putting on a show in church. He's not done. That's just Ernie. And that's okay. 
I want there to be a freedom at Bethesda that if Ernie hollers, it's okay. Does it make me feel like, oh man, I wish you wouldn't do that because everybody else, I'm, I'm feeling the pain of everybody else. I'm like, man, Ernie, Ernie's freaking people out here. But guess what? That's Ernie. And it's okay to be Ernie. It's okay to be my mom and sit on the back row and always want, she wanted, look how many empty seats are around you here. There's plenty of room. Mom pulls out one of them seats in the back and says, I want to sit in the back. That's okay. Amen? Used to be that I come in all the time. I'd say, Mom, you need to move up with everybody else. Come up and sit with somebody or something. She don't want to. She wants to sit back there. That's okay. Amen? Yes. It's okay to be who you are here. I want Bethesda to be a place that if people wants to wear a dress, they can walk in in a dress. If a woman wants to walk in in slacks, she can walk in in slacks. If she wants to come in in shorts, she can come in in shorts. It's okay. Free to worship. I just want this to be a place where people can worship. That if Mary wants to lift her hands and say hallelujah, she's allowed to. Amen. And if Ivory wants to stand on the front row with her hands lifted out like this, and they got videos on that, the different types of worship you can watch. It's awesome for there to be diversity in the body of Christ. It's okay to be you. You don't have to be everybody else. Be you. And God loves you just like you are. The ministries of Bethesda is this. Kids ministry. Just had the event this past week. Um, I don't know why it's got PM on there. For Kentucky Heights, I didn't change that. That's a, that's a change that needs to happen. Somebody will mark that down and remind me. Bethesda Student Ministry is the youth group. And it's we used to have Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's always on Tuesdays at 6.30 at the Kentucky Heights campus. There is no Vanceburg campus youth group. They do run a bus down here and pick up kids if they want to attend, and normally they do. So uh, student ministry, youth group happens there. We do have benevolence ministry. We uh, continue to uh, put 1% of the church's finance, everything that comes into the church, 1% goes into a special fund that is strictly uh, designated just to help people in need. So if somebody needs, they come to the church and they say, well, we need food, there's automatically 1% set aside. And usually there's three, four, five hundred. We've had up to $1,000 in that account before, but we usually allow people to, as they come, we'll help them if they say, I need gas to get whatever. Maybe it's a cancer. We wrote checks to cancer patients that need money just to get to Lexington. As a church, because of general finances to come in, 1% is always set aside to go to strictly to that. I want us to be a church of benevolence that cares about other people. Some churches won't allow you to get any benevolence unless you'll sit to a church service. That's one of the rules. If you want to come and ask us for food, okay, come and sit to a church service, and after you sit through the service, then we'll help you with food. Bethesda helps them wherever they're at. What if it's Tuesday and they can't wait till Sunday to get a dinner basket? Let's be Jesus. Jesus gave when people didn't give back. Amen? Amen? Let's be a church of benevolence that cares about other people. Greeter ministry, get people standing at the door. Sister Cindy is excellent at this up at the Kentucky Heights campus. She always stands at the door. She greets people. Uh, she loves uh, helping out in that ministry. Uh, she, she, uh, I send her things and, and, and teach her how to be better at that. Uh, anything I see that I, as far as an article or anything like that, I always send it to her to be a better greeter. We need more greeters. 
People make up their mind whether they're going to attend church here or not within the first eight minutes of attending here. So that usually means that if people get here early, that's usually a visitor. Visitors don't show up late. Amen? Visitors come early. If they pull in the driveway and it's too late, they'll turn around and leave. They won't come in late. Visitors won't. They'll come in early. So if they come in early, there needs to be somebody there. If they're going to make up their decision in the first eight minutes, that's usually they're here more than eight minutes early, which means they're going to make their decision of whether they stay and come to this church or not before the service ever begins. They're not going to come and stay because of the music. They're not going to come and stay because of the message. They're not going to come and stay because of the altar call. They're going to come and stay because of who walked up to them and said, Hi, how are you, prior to the church service. Amen? It's the truth. Statistics prove it. Connection ministries, we do those uh, usually for eight-week sessions or six weeks sometimes. Uh, We've done them for as small as four weeks. Uh, connection groups that we do those are always awesome awesome turnout uh, I love that when we do those the basketball last year and all the different things the the makeup group that uh, Kirby and uh, Albie and them did it was awesome people came Elizabeth's workout group had a big attendance and and now she's took that and she got her enough following she's even doing workout groups every Tuesday and Thursday right and but you got to pay now she's got a she's got a business going she's doing it to make money and she actually got a certificate that she's a certified professional trainer. How awesome is that? That Bethesda leapfrogged that. Outreach ministry, the often things we do in outreach. So that's our little flyer for a church. This is a reminder to us the back of it's got the addresses of the church times. Hopefully you've made corrections that Tuesday night is the only night for uh, youth group ministry. So if you've got an ink pen or your neighbor's got an ink pen, make a note on that so that you don't mess up and tell some teenager to go to Vanceburg on Thursdays because that's what our original purpose was. We was going to do that. We'll change it. We'll change those. But I want us, as a fruitful summer series ends, that as we listen to all these things of what healthy church has caused us to be. And I want you to know this, that when we designed these little packets, whenever we first went through Healthy Church Network, the first Sunday in January in 2012, there was 12 people sitting here, not one kid. There wasn't one youth group member wasn't any children's church workers, was no greeter ministry. There was 12 individuals, adults, come to Bethesda that morning. That's about all that attended here. And that morning, one of them got up and left. They was done. We're out. And by the time we went to the first session, we was down to eight people. There was eight people attending Vanceburg, Bethesda. And because God gave us this dream, now we got more than that here. We'll go to Kentucky Heights here in just a minute and have more than that there. So we've been averaging about 50 to 60 people on Sunday mornings here lately at both campuses. Outreaches have been 
phenomenal. The car show, the cruise in, all the different stuff we do, the outreaches, the children's church, all the stuff we're doing because we had vision. The Bible says that without vision, the people perish. People cast off restraint. So I believe if we want to have a fruitful summer, let's look at this vision and say, God, restore our joy in knowing that you're doing great things amongst us. Amen? That the walls are being rebuilt here. That God has allowed this to be a temple of his presence. And God's presence is what changes lives. I can't change lives. Leslie's music can't change lives. The presence of God is the only thing that will transform lives. Amen. So I want us as a church to pray. I want you to take these as a symbolic thing. I want you to keep these in your Bible. I want you to put it in your back pocket. I want you to put it in your wallet, in your pocketbook, somewhere. And I want you to begin to pray over these the remainder of this summer. Usually the highest attendance rate of a church is when school starts back. So about after our camping trip in August is going to be a time where we're going to see a growth spurt as Bethesda. Usually we have a back to church Sunday. We do a lot of things like that. I want us to pray that God will equip us all summer to be a host of his presence, that his glory would fill the temple, and that lives will be changed at Bethesda. Amen? I want you to pray the vision, the mission, the values, and the ministries of Bethesda. Keep these as a reminder and say, God, I want a fruitful summer, and I want to store up this summer for what you're going to do this fall. Harvest is coming. Harvest is coming to Bethesda. Our greatest days are not behind us. They're in front of us. Amen? Let's stand. Ezra and Nehemiah speaking to the people saying your joy that the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you just bow your head and close your eyes. I want to ask very simply if you're in this place and you've been discouraged if you've been stressed out if you just know that your joy isn't full and you're asking God today to restore your joy is there anybody here that lift your hand and say, that's me. I need some encouragement. I need God to strengthen me. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Amen. There's still others. Anybody else? Six or seven people's raised their hand. Anybody else? Said, I want my joy to be full. I'm tired of being beat down. I'm tired of the enemy kicking my teeth in. And I want to walk out of this place today with my joy full with a renewed vision, with a renewed hope, with a renewed strength.
total restoration in my life. Anybody else? I want us to all pray together, if you will. Everybody here, just repeat this prayer with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you, forgive me for my sins, my faults, my failures, and help me to be the person you've called me to be. Restore my joy. Restore my confidence. Help me to be like you. An encouragement to others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.